Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. I want to be reminded, I want to remind us, I want to remind you guys on the radio listening in that God loves you and he's ready to come and draw near to you in whatever you're going through today. I even wrote in my notes that it's good to remind us all of his great love. It's beyond our ability to comprehend the depths and the width and the height and the length of his love. It's one of the prayers in the Bible that we might understand the depth, the length, the width, the height of his love for us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. Thanks for tuning our way. We'll be in John chapter 20 if you want to find your place there now. Now picture the scene. Mary is at the Lord's empty tomb. She's broken. She's in deep sorrow and confused. It's then that Jesus shows up and ministers to her. Maybe you can relate on some level to Mary today. You're crushed and confused, and the Lord wants to draw near to you too. Let's hear how he does that as we join Pastor Ed Taylor for his message, An Empty Tomb and a Full Heart. If there's no resurrection, then, then we're in trouble. Like, take that doctrine to the end. He says nine things. He says nine things that if there isn't a resurrection, that, that we're in trouble. Number one, he says if there's no resurrection, then Christ isn't risen. He says, number two, our preaching's empty. And your faith is empty, number three. And then we're found to be liars, number four. And then if there's no resurrection, then Jesus really isn't alive, verse five, or number five. And your faith is futile, number six. And you're still stuck in the hopelessness of your own sins, unforgiven, number seven. Number eight, if there's no resurrection, then there's no hope of being reunited with those that died before us in all of eternity in Christ. And number nine, verse 19, we're the most pitiable people on the earth. We're worse than unbelievers if there's no resurrection. And you say, why? How can you be worse than unbeliever? Well, you're lost and you're believing a lie. It's worse. You've made up something in your mind. Like if there's no resurrection, then you're the most pitiable because you're trying to live a life in your own strength, in your own energy, and, you, and what you believe in isn't even true. And what does Paul say in verse 20? But now Christ is risen from the dead. Yes, he is. He's alive. And you go to Israel with us of the tomb that they think is most probable, you will find out for yourself with your own eyes. It's empty. He's not there. Now, we haven't met any angels there yet, but that would be kind of cool. Hey, we're just checking it out. What are you doing here, Ed? Just checking out the tomb. Are you kidding? If I saw an angel, I'd freak out. It'd be amazing. It would be awesome. The resurrection is very important. Come back with me now in John chapter 20. As we just look at a few sections before we leave, a few scriptures, we're not going to finish the chapter, but we're taking our time allowing the Holy Spirit to soak in the beautiful living hope that we have. You know, that's how Peter described it. Peter said that we have been begotten to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. We have a living hope. 
a hope that has changed lives, a hope that continues to change lives. Because, you know, even if we didn't have all the testimony of the people that saw the risen Jesus themselves, there's the testimony of the resurrection in this room right now of what God has done in your life through his life, how he's brought you out of death spiritually into life. But let's even just say that everyone here today does not have that testimony, and I'm preaching to a crowd that's all unbelievers and all skeptics and all critics. While I know that not to be true, I'm certain there are a few listening in. But let's just say, for the sake of illustration, nobody in here has that testimony. Let me tell you, I have that testimony. I am an eyewitness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Myself, my, I, and you know, how I, you know how I know that? I was there when I got saved. And I was there when the gospel was preached and God broke in on a young man who was so rebellious and so resistant and so unloving, uncaring, and on and on that list could go. I was there when that young man responded to the gospel. And I was, I was actually there the day before he got saved, and I was there the day after he got saved. And for 26 years now, I've watched the resurrection power in this young man grow him and mature him and change him and sustain him through the ups and downs. I saw his marriage saved. I, I saw children added to that marriage. I, I saw, you know, what, what in that, that young man... I'm kind of speaking in the third person, but that's my story. This is me. That young man, they didn't think his marriage would last 28 minutes, is going on 28 years now. Why? Because of the power of God. Power of God. It's amazing. So even if we had no other testimony, you got my testimony of the power of the resurrection. But we know we have yours as well. Here we have Mary. I, I like this. Let's pick up where we left off in chapter 20, verse 10. It says, the disciples went away again to their own homes because they're discouraged, they don't understand, they remember what Jesus said, but they don't quite get it, and they went home. They went home. But verse 11, but Mary, she stuck around. It says, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. If you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle the word weeping or wept, either one, and right next to it, wailing. These aren't just a few tears coming down her cheeks. She is overcome with sorrow and grief. And she's overcome by confusion. And now what little left that she had, the body, is gone. And she's dealing with it. And she saw, it says, as she looked in, two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. Now, verse 14, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me. Tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, oh, Rabboni, which means teacher, and Jesus began a conversation with her that we're going to get into next time. This is a tender moment. It's a tender moment where, as the disciples are going home, Mary just can't go home. She's left alone pondering all these things. She's weeping, she's crying, she's confused, she's sad, she's wailing. 
there's, there's deep sorrow and concern and questioning. And where is she? She's lingering in the, lingering in the garden, hanging out around the tomb in love, wanting to express her love through the point of contact of his body. And she's crying. She's expressing emotion. And Jesus shows up to her at just the right time. She didn't have the same response to the angels. The angels basically ask her the same question, and she gives an explanation to the angels. And we don't know why it doesn't say that she freaked out when seeing the angels, but she's just having a conversation expressing herself. And we, because we've grown up in a culture that, does it, that minimizes emotion, that minimizes even, even a church culture, where sometimes emotion is pressed down. No, you can't be emotional. Listen, everything about us is emotional. Everything about our relationship with God. Now, we all express our emotions differently, but it's not God's will for you to press down your emotions, but rather to express them, to express them in relationship. In this case, when you're sad, you're sad. When you're grieving, you're grieving. When you need to cry, cry. That's how God made you. Because if you don't, and you keep pressing it down, you keep pressing it down, it's going to come out, it's, it's going to eat you up inside, and it's going to come out in a way that could be very destructive and hurtful. And so here she is, a very normal woman, expressing her emotions, expressing her love for, for Jesus. And the angels ask her a question, but it wasn't until this appearance of Jesus comes, and he asks her a question, she doesn't know who he is. And, and maybe because tears in her eyes, maybe because she's out of it, she can't see clearly, we don't know. We don't know exactly. It could be Jesus, you know, making sure that he reveals himself at just the right time. But we do know, we do know that when he said her name, it clicked. When he said her name. This, is, this encourages me because Jesus, sometimes he shows up in the most surprising ways in our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that Jesus, that the God is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the one that's contrite and humble. The one, we often lose the consciousness. And the, now God is with us all the time, but he's with us in a special way when brokenness comes and when difficulty comes. When things are going well, we lose the consciousness of God. We, and what I mean by that is we don't think of him being with us and we don't cry out to him. We're not in a place of desperation. He's still with us. He isn't going to leave us and abandon us, but there's a lack of dependence. You know, when, when I can handle things on my own, then you know what I do? I handle things on my own. It's when I recognize that I'm unable to handle something that I cry out for help. It's when I recognize that I don't have the wisdom I'm looking for and I ask God for wisdom. It's when, I, when I'm in a situation that's far beyond me, God is training me to come to him all the time. And here Mary is overwhelmed and Jesus, he draws near. And so as we leave here today, I... I want to be reminded, I want to remind us, I want to remind you guys on the radio listening in that God loves you. And he's ready to come and draw near to you in whatever you're going through today. I even wrote in my notes that it's good to remind us all of his great love. Great love. It's beyond our ability to comprehend the depths and the width and the height and the length of his love. 
It's one of the prayers in the Bible that we might understand the depth, the length, the width, the height of his love for us. It's good to be reminded how much he loves us. It's encouraging and comforting to know that Jesus knows all about our sadnesses. He knows all about our sorrows. He knows all about our fears, our anxious thoughts. He knows all about what is plaguing you today, even if it's just the simple cares and concerns of life. He knows, he knows what it's like to, he comes to you in your loneliness and in your simple broken heart over the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job or a loss of a friendship or I was reading today a friend of ours in California there a mom posted today on on Instagram it was a picture of her son who's getting married and then in the in the comments there she was just expressing all the emotion that comes as her son's getting married yeah that's a real the Lord is with her the Lord is near to her and I know she feels the presence. It, the emotions come in a variety of different ways. Just like he knew Mary's heart was broken and crushed, he knows your heart. Just as Mary was confused and unsure, he knows you. And even to the proud, even to those listening in right now, go, well, you know what, I've got things together. Well, he knows you, and he'll even draw near to you. Now, you have to understand, pride is resisted by God, but he draws near to the broken heart and to the humble and, but even in your pride, he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to look at you, oh, that prideful guy, I'm just going to abandon it. No, no, no. He loves you even with the pride that he will use a variety of circumstances to chisel away at the sharpness of your pride and mine. Why? So that we can be in a place, so that we can be in a place of relationship with him and truly feel his love and experience it, not just talk about it and tell other people about it. But just to know, you know, God loves the world. Yes, he does. But even to know better, God loves me. And he, he, he cares for what's going on in my life. His plan is better than my plan. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Tender love. As you read ahead, you'll see this love developed in each of the appearances. Because he comes in these unique ways. How, how does he show up in our lives? Well, you know, God, God will often show up. Jesus will draw near in surprising ways. He might send a brother into your life or a sister that just out of the blue begins to encourage you. You know, the Lord put you on my heart. The Lord, we, 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 we lose the significance of truths because they've come, become cliche. So, oh, the Lord put you on my... Yes, the Lord God Almighty put you on my heart. Now, whenever, whenever I get a series of texts or I get a series of voicemail or email, the Lord put you on my heart. You know what my first thought is? What's happening? Why am I on so many people's heart today? But I immediately dismiss that and I say, no, Lord, thank you. Somebody's praying for me today. You, you brought me to mind to someone today. It comes through a brother or a sister. Or, or you get that text and you go, what's this? What's this scripture? Where did this come from? Well, somebody was thinking of you and shared a scripture with you. Or an email. You know, I'm on, a, I'm on an email list uh, with our radio station. The manager, he handles everything, and I help a little bit with stuff on the radio. And, and we're on this list where emails are sent out. And, and recently, we just changed things up with our radio broadcast. We, we hired a new producer, uh, and, and he's been going through and re, redoing all, all, everything with our radio. And, and he sent out this email on the list, and he said, I know there's a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of difficulty, a lot of things going on in your life. Uh, I just listened to this study by Pastor Ed. Um, you guys should probably listen to it. It'll be good. And it's from Nehemiah. That's what's on the radio right now, Nehemiah. Well, Nehemiah was taught four years ago. I was taught right here four years ago. 
And, and it's amazing, isn't it? God's word never returns void. Even something was taught four years ago. We're all listening to Pastor Chuck Smith's studies that he taught in the 80s. And he's even using 80s illustrations, you know, leg warmers and stuff. And like, whoa. But the word of God, the illustrations might be dated, but not God's word. God's word is always relevant and never returns void. So as I was listening, like I got that email of being a part of the list. So I took it to heart. I felt like God was sending that to me. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go listen to that study. Now, I didn't listen to the radio edit. I actually went to our website and I watched the video. I watched the video uh, that's archived. And I went through the worship time and, and got to that time before the message sometimes where I'll have a word to share. Sometimes it's even a mini message that the Lord puts on my heart. And that, I had one that day. Uh, it happened to be, that particular study happened to be the first day, the first weekend I came back after an extended leave of absence after my son passed away. And I began to share. You know, I didn't know if I was coming back. I didn't know if I'd be back in the ministry. And I began to share some of those things and then taught that Bible study. That Bible study was actually prepared to be delivered long before the crisis happened. Because I'm usually a few weeks ahead and ready to deliver. So I was, it was actually ready to be delivered months earlier but then with all the trauma and crisis and everything, it got delivered just on that day at that time with a different person. I was a different man. I am a different man in the last four years since losing my son. I'm a different man. And, and God is using me in a different way now. And I was listening and the Bible study was very encouraging. You know, I still listen. I listen to Grace FM. Do you guys listen to Grace FM? I listen to Grace FM. Sometimes I'll mention something in the staff meeting and I'll say, did you guys hear this? And then somebody will say, no, I didn't hear. And I said, that's because you're not listening to Grace FM, man. That's why. What do you listen to Caleb for? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Listen to whatever you want. God will use a song to encourage you. And he'll use a Bible study. I was just in the Springs recently, and a sister came up, heard my voice, and introduced myself. Yes, I'm Ed. Are you Ed? Yes, I'm Ron. I've been listening to you. I've been very encouraged. But, but, you know, I don't listen to talk radio very much, you know. But every time I turn Grace FM on, you're on, so I have to listen to you. And I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, head, my voice is in your head. But the Lord used the messages in her life too. But back to Nehemiah, as I was listening to that message or watching that message on my computer, I was just asking the Lord in my heart, you know, what, why, why, Lord, are you using this particular Bible study? And, and God spoke to me that day and he said, he said, well, Ed, I'm using studies like that in your life because when you're at your weakest, I'm strong. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, that's so true. And it reminded me, you know, God kind of speaks to me uh, in, in regular everyday language. When God speaks to me, he doesn't speak in King James language. Ed Taylor, thou art. I mean, I guess he could, but he doesn't. We just have a conversation. I felt that impression of what he was sharing with me. And it reminded me of the scripture when Paul cried out for his thorn in his flesh, remember? And the answer was, no, I'm not going to remove it. But I'll tell you this, Paul. It's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect, God said. And so I still listen to uh, our Bible studies when I'm listening to Grace FM. If I come on, I don't just immediately turn it off. I listen, and I'll tell you why. Um, I listen because I want to receive something from the, from the Lord. And especially when I'm the one teaching, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys all have that where you don't like to hear your voice, on, and I don't like to hear my voice either, but I'm not, I'm not listening for that. I want to hear from the Lord. And I'll tell you what, if I don't hear from the Lord in my own Bible study, something's desperately wrong with me and my relationship with the Lord. And so I listen to say, oh yeah, Lord, that was a good word and that was a good encouragement. Nehemiah is so strong and so great. And, and so, you know, the Lord comes to you in, in, in a word. He'll come to you through the radio. He'll come to you, to you through a friend. He'll come to you even today. 
in a Bible study like this, God will speak to your heart. He'll speak to a thousand people something different and yet the same. He'll speak out through the technology where you've got it on your little phone here and you're watching the service with your phone in your hand and the Lord has a word for you to encourage you and to strengthen you. He's alive. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. And he's still speaking through his word today. He's making it alive. He's making you alive. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. I know sometimes I wonder, why would he love me? With all the brokenness in my life and all the craziness and the stumbles and falls. I mean, I was just, I was just encouraged this week in my devos in Proverbs where the Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And I was reading in Jeremiah recently. That's, that's the book I'm in uh, to go a little deeper in my devos in Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. Isn't that good? You mean God will speak to me twice? Yes. Will he speak to me three times? Yes. Is God the God of the second chances? Yes. How about the third chance? Yes. How about you can't, you can't keep track of how many chances you need? Is God the God of that many chances? Yes or no? Yes. He is. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. I know we can't explain it. So often we're unlovable and so often we, you know, we even deal with, maybe you deal with not even loving yourself. But listen, God's love supersedes even what you feel about yourself. And he wants you to experience his love. Do you know him today? I mean, do you know God in a real personal way? Is he the savior of your life? Have you experienced his love? Have you had the guilt and the shame of life removed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God? Our creator God sent his only begotten son to demonstrate his love for us. If we ever had a question about the love of God, the demonstration of God's love is at the cross. And the proof of the cross is in the resurrection. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from the Gospel of John. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And look for us on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed is back with me. And Ed, I can't help but think someone could identify with what Mary was experiencing at that empty tomb. They're broken. They're crushed confused. Would you pray for that person right now? There I'd be honored to. Father, I know that many listening in are exactly what uh, was described, broken, crushed, confused, disillusioned, and on and on the list goes, God. I lift them before you. I'm just reminded you're the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. I'm reminded that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. I'm reminded that you are faithful even when we are faithless. I'm reminded that you've got us through day by day thus far. Thus far you have brought us, and I know that what you've begun in us, you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that those truths, those biblical truths into the hearts of those listening, that there might be a, a sense of empathy and care that would be conveyed to them that they might receive the fullness of your presence because it is a hard time. And I know you're faithful as we come out of the holidays and head into a new year. May your faithfulness be overwhelmingly obvious to us and felt in a real 
tangible way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ed. Here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in that manger the first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also, remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to the radio every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and the world at a time in human history when they really need to hear it, too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll dig deeper into the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.